The Back to Back Podcast is brought to you by Game Time, your new go-to app for the best deals on last-minute tickets. Mo, did you know that NBA ticket prices always drop right before the game starts? That sounds crazy, Dave. Well, that's the truth. And because Game Time tracks prices in real time from thousands of trusted sellers, they're able to show you the best last-minute deals with prices that go up to 60% off, which is wild because NBA tickets are so expensive. Uh, I don't, I don't know. Has this been used by other people? I don't, I don't, I don't, I'm not sure, Dave. Hey, people all over the country are using this for things like going to see Taylor Swift or going to see the Los Angeles Lakers. You literally could go see whatever kind of entertainment you're into, uh, musicals, Broadway shows, whatever. Uh, very easy. Two taps to check out. You find your price, two taps and you're done. Game time app, simple, quick, and easy to navigate. Download the Game Time app in the Google Play or App Store and score last-minute deals on tickets up to 60% off. Welcome to the Back to Back Pod on the Athletic Podcast Network. This is Nerder She Wrote with your host, Dave Dufour. With Mo Dekeel and Seth Partnow. Are you ready to be entertained? gentlemen it's the back-to-back podcast and it's thursday and that means it's nerder she wrote i'm your host dave defort joined as always by mo dakil and as usually seth part now who's up off the bench this week <laughs> just glad just just you know ready for my stay ready and i'm, hey, I'm ready to be in coach yeah take advantage of the minutes when they come right uh and then uh you know special guest fred katz from the athletic the wizards beat writer freddie how are you Actually, I'm, sorry, I'm just Maddie, fantastic. Matt Katz. <laughs> oh, God. This is just going to be a thing now on it every podcast. Yeah. Did you guys know this? I mean, I don't know if you guys listened to Buds when we discovered that Fred's real first name is Matt. Yeah, I, I heard that on Buds. And my, my real question is, like, why would you reveal that, Fred? Because now all I want to do is call you Matt. Yeah. This is this is awful. Yeah, but <laughs> this, is, this is objectively terrible. Just think about how much better your career could be if you were Matt Katz. You, you sound like my mother. <laughs> Do we have a scale of like, is this like a Malcolm Gladwell sort of thing where like people named Fred have this reach this kind of level in their career and people named Matt reach this level? Like, is there a scale? You know what, Seth, you're our analytics guy. You might need to get on this. Well, I'm just trying to think if uh, if uh, good job Matt rolls off off, uh, off an NBA player's tongue quite the same <laughs> that, way as, as that, good job Fred. That is a deep cut. How many <laughs> listeners do you think have any idea what you're referring to? About, I don't know what you're referring to. I, I know you guys have known each other, Seth and Fred. You guys have known each other for a really long time, right? That yeah. was like your second day on the the Thunderbeat. It was my that, second is, week. Second week on the Thunderbeat. Yeah, yeah. When I accidentally referred to. Kevin Durant as uh, as Fred on and on nationally televised press conference, <laughs> and then he then then tried to save it by saying, "I don't know why I'm asking myself a question." And Kevin Durant just laughed in my face because that's the only natural human response when someone calls you their own name and uh, and said, "Good job, Fred." <laughs> that's that's great. That's great. Uh, <laughs> 
At least you didn't call. Like you didn't. At least you didn't like do the thing where you accidentally call like someone mom or something like that. That oh would be, that that probably would have been even. That would have been mortifying. That's like. But, the, but it would have been. It would have been more human though. <laughs> I, I did. I, I did tell my doorman that I love him. Wow, that was a thing. Was where it, it was like he? I I had a food delivery coming up. He, he yeah. called say you know food delivery is coming up, and. Uh, and just like out of reflex, I was like, thanks, love you, and and hung up. <laughs> Let me – how hungry were you? Like is that – because like when you're hungry, I can I, I can understand that. Like It wasn't, it wasn't a hunger thing. I think I was just uh, feeling really generous. It was, it, was a, it was a thirst thing? It was – I was just – yeah, I was <laughs> real uh, thirsty. Okay. Uh, so I, I want to start – I want to start this week's show. I want to talk about – uh, the article that that our colleague John Hollinger uh, published today on the Athletic: uh, the three-shot foul is a bad rule, badly enforced, with bad side effects, and it needs to go. Uh, Seth, I'm going to start with you, since you've actually worked in an NBA analytics department. Uh, what do the numbers say on the three-shot foul? I mean, I think uh, John lays it out pretty well in, in his piece. Uh, you know, the part of why you have fouls is you want to dissuade people from uh, breaking the rules. And kind of the problem with the three shot foul is that the the kind of the penalty is is vastly out, outstrips kind of the the crime, if you will. I mean, if you you know, part of the reason you don't want to foul a jump shooter is, OK, a guy, a guy taking a mid range jump shot, that's a 40 percent shot. That's about 0.8 points per shot. A guy's 75 percent free throw shooter, two free throws. That's one point five points per shot. OK, that's a, well, you, you don't want to do that. However, as we all know, shot as foul, we all know. Yeah. If it's a three shot foul, then you think about that 75 percent three, three shot throw shooter. That's two and a quarter points per shot. Uh, that 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 you add on like that's as as John points out in his piece that's like a more punitive than a flagrant foul for you know especially in uh, getting into the way that the rule is enforced with giving people you know landing area which I you know is a sensible rule I mean I know as a as a shooter myself like you know in a pickup game if you try to if you you know Bruce Bowen me by you know sticking your foot in my landing area like we might be fighting but. I'm going to so, land my foot in your sticking area. Yeah, and and so that's that that you know that, that is a sensible kind of uh, idea, but the way it's been enforced now it just encourages people to again you're you know even the best three point shooter is around forty percent, so it's one point two points per shot. If I can somehow flail my body, draw minuscule amounts of contact, now all of a sudden I've just doubled the value of that shot just by blowing the whistle because, you know, if I'm that good a three-point shooter, I'm probably an 80% free throw shooter. And all of a sudden it goes from, you know, 1.2 to 2.4 points. And 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 that just encourages um, some of the – a lot of the aesthetic stuff that people, uh, uh, you know, specifically thinking of James Harden, people just don't sure. like is kind of the the three pointer with the leg flailing and you don't you don't care if the defense is really close to you because hey they might foul you. So it doesn't matter that this is like in any basketball we'd recognize that's a really bad shot, but because you might be able to fall down and and somewhere between con and convince the referee that you got hit, it all of a sudden becomes, you know, a, a good shot. And that's kind of um it's it's uh you know, it, it is very in, in a game. In, you know, in a gaming contest, it's very cheesy. Yeah, you know, it's well, like, this hey, is it's it's giving the ball to Bo Jackson and Tech Mobile kind of thing. Yeah, right. But this is this is why that 
Like if it wasn't for the three shot foul, I don't know that James Harden would do the step back three the way he does, or at least with the volume he does. Because it's not like he hits a ton of them. I mean, he hits plenty, but he's what? What is he at? Like thirty percent tops. Right, but it's not even that. It's it's the guys who run off a screen and the defenders trailing and just immediately jump back and look for that contact as they go up into it. Uh, when I was with the Clippers, like my first did under Mike Dunleavy, I mean, he used to say, if you get the guy up in the air and you're shooting a three, jump into him and then throw the shot up because that's three free throws. Like this is something that teams have been trying to take advantage of for a long time. The leg kick, you know, Chauncey Billups won us a game in Utah based on the leg kick you know, and drawing a foul off of that. And, you know, that's a missed call, but it's just makes the game harder to officiate. It's hard enough to ref this game. And now you have these guys who are super tricky and doing all these things and almost gaslighting the refs here a little bit into like, these are fouls and it's more than just hardened. I mean, his examples were, uh, Forbes, you know, and, and, and things like that in San Antonio. So I, it's just a constant issue over and over again. It's and I think we're at the, yeah, it, we're at the point now where, like, it makes sense for the player to do it. Right. But we're at the point I think we're going to start legislating this out. They're, yeah, I mean, they're like, completely the, rewarded the, for it. The numbers in there, like, I was blown away by that stat. I mean, when it's like it's as punitive as a flagrant foul, I was like, wow, that's that's pretty impressive. You know, it, Fred, I, did you get a chance to read this? Yes, okay. I did. So one of the things he points out or one of his solutions is to make it a two-shot foul until the final two minutes where a bunch of rules already change. And and it, the idea being uh, it'll stop teams from, from just blatantly fouling guys attempting threes when down three, uh, you know, in crunch time or something like that. Um, but crunch time might be one of the times that it's the worst where teams are trying to get back in it. And that's when you get extra flailing or guys that, that maybe don't do it the whole games really start ramping it up. I mean, everyone wants a foul, on a buzzer beater shot that like I'd rather shoot a free throw than, you know, whatever contested look I'm going to get. So, you know, is that enough is, is having it only in that two minutes? Is that going to even, is that going to solve the problem at the end of games? Well, you know what, you know, what is, is like the least gratifying feeling just as a basketball fan at the end of a game, when you think when a guy flails, trying to get a call, and doesn't get a call because it's a late game situation, mm-hmm. even if it's like the correct call. Mm-hmm. And you see that happen all the time on threes now where guys will not just harden. Like you guys said, you see that happen all the time on threes now on last second shots where guys flail on those shots instead of putting up the shots. And to me, and this is such a, a niche way about it, but you bring up the crutch time stuff. To me, when when you have guys flailing on those jump shots late in games, you take away potentially the most gratifying and exciting play in all of basketball, which is a game winning shot, because you're either seeing a, a miss, a, a game end on a miss, which is can be fun, but not as fun. Or you see a game end on free throws when you see guys leaning into those fouls and, and you're potentially taking away the most exciting stuff. So for me, yeah, I mean, you you want to disincentivize that during crunch time as much as you possibly can because you want to make it so the game ends in the most exciting way uh if you can put yourself in that situation yeah and then here's the you other don't want to be oh go ahead 
No, you just, it just you, it has to be in the last two minutes because you don't want to be in a situation where you know there's 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 five seconds left in the game. We're down three. I catch the ball. Oh, I'm gonna foul my you. Elbow yeah, yeah. For, yeah. Like yeah, that's that's you know that's BS. Nobody, no, nobody likes that. So there's yeah. no. I mean, the reason why it beca- that that's that's specifically the reason why it became a three shot foul like at all times is because you didn't want to you know a situation where it's a game swinging play like you don't want like you say for basically the same reasons Fred is talking about like you know the 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 the, the you know the the game winner the game tying shot the Ray right. Allen shot imagine like 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 the you know the heat get 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 the rebound they kick it out to Ray Allen and whoever's nearest like if it's Danny Green or whoever just kind of slaps Ray in the face and it's like hey we win like it's you know that's that's sort of funny but it's not like it, it's it doesn't takes away one of the greatest moments in, in NBA history and I don't think that's something that anyone really wants to see like any basically right. anything that is like like it, and it's hard to define, but it's a very know it when I see it thing. Anything that's just gamey is just like it, that's the kind of thing that like bugs people. It's like you would never you would never do that except the rule is written a certain way, and so you're trying to you're trying to you know you're trying to lawyer that that, that you know trying to lawyer the hell out of that rule. Yeah, and that's yeah you technically win, but it's just not. No one really feels great about it. Well, let's not forget yeah. the other reason to do this is that it actually it it takes a fairly safe play in basketball contesting a jump shot not a lot of guys really get hurt under normal situ- situation right it makes it more dangerous right like you want to pr- protect the landing zone and if guys are trying to do that and the offensive player is wildly and unpredictably kicking their legs out trying to draw contact somebody could be severely hurt by it i mean it's a little bit it's almost the flip side of the charge situation exactly right? it's like you're you know you're you're doing so you're you're up in the air doing something sort of unnatural to you know put yourself off balance to you know try to you know you're you're you know you're winging a foot out at someone who's running by you and you're you're getting yourself off balance in the air and it's probably you're right it's probably i don't think we've seen any like really you know in, her, horrific injuries from it but it's it it's a it matter probably of time. is not but probably it's a matter of time right it's not even that though i mean we've, we've seen stuff where like kobe's flailed his arm out and i remember knocked the hell out of Manu and I think he even got suspended the next game for it or something like that but you know what it's just shooters start contorting their bodies in ways where I'm like you're not even trying to make the shot anymore you right, know, it's no longer a basketball play yeah you know you're you're stepping behind the line and you're shooting but you're going to jump forward to try to draw the foul you're going to jump to the side to get contact with the guy and then shoot like you're not trying to just shoot the damn ball like it's one thing if you shoot it and the guy fouls yeah. you, I'm good with that. But if it's you trying to initiate all that contact, it's, it's it just drives me nuts. And it's like I'm like, man, you probably have a better percentage, three point percentage, if you just shot the shot. <laughs> I have a solution. Normally. I have a solution to clean the game. Is up. it fewer games? No, well, that is definitely <laughs> one of my one of my uh, just just have boxes. them power rank the teams and start in the postseason. Start in the postseason. No, here here is my solution to a lot of these problems. Um, everything's a one and one. Every shooting foul is a one and one. And then you will disincentivize offensive players trying to create contact when shooting because it's not you're not getting two chances. I mean, you know, I, I, guys always shoot better on I the mean, second free throw, correct? Yeah, it's about about three percentage There's points. There's already higher. it's already there's already a dis like uh, a low incentive to fouling 
someone while they're shooting, right? You're going to give them, they, they may miss the shot. You're giving them an opportunity at an uncontested one point in a one and one, but possibly two, right? You I can think, always no, do I the last two minute things where, where a shooting foul is then automatically two shots. Then you're, you're swinging the other way a little too much. Like you, you now you're, you're, you're incentivizing like really physical contests now because you know, the value of, you know, if you make the, the, the average value doing like some, some back of the envelope, the, the, the average value of a foul probably drops to, you know, closer to the value of a shot. And 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 especially if but it's an uncalled, that, that, that it, shot becomes well, no. But if the but if the if the shot if the foul isn't called, then it becomes like a you know a, a, a very low percentage shot. So you're almost incentivizing like um, extremely borderline physical contesting, and then you get into like the the almost the the mid late nineties Knicks thing where it's right. like, Oh, foul, foul right. them every so time. You're and saying, they're not going to call it all. So you're saying, like that's, I think you're going to over it. I think that leads to, leads to bad places. So that's too far the, away. I think from, it's called the 2019 Dwight Howard thing. There so. you go. All right. So that's, that's <laughs> going too far away from a guy hitting a dude on the pump fake. Who's two feet in the air, uh, two feet in front of him and then leaning in and just chucking the ball up and getting two free throws out of it. Well, I mean, how often does that happen? It happens versus, a lot. No, but how? But I'm saying, how often does that happen versus like a normal shot contest? Like the there's just a lot more room for bad things to happen if like all of a sudden, hey, just you know, get like get all lean all over the guy every time he shoots because the, the a foul is not that bad. Yeah, right. The foul I, is I, still I bad sure. inherently. You're still giving them a free. You're giving them a free trip to the free throw line. Well, no, right? only but if it's a foul on the player. You're going but closer Dave, you're to the bonus. On, Dave, you're betting on the guy. There's going to be guys where you're like, yo, foul hit. Well, He's they already do that. The first one. <laughs> no, no, but like, but the guy's going to have a chance at two, two free throws, right? Like if, at least, you know, if he misses the first one, he still has a chance to recoup one point. In this instance, like, it's just going to be automatic. As soon as Simmons, Ben Simmons gets near the paint, dude, he's going to get just tackled. Like, you're just going to start having those things happen more and more. And I think that's that's right in the sense of that's going too far the other way. Like, if you just take out the three-point fouling, uh, three free throws i think now you're kind of just evening the odds here so now we I only have go- that we now we only have that ugly play inside the three-point line i mean it i don't think you see it that much in the mid-range dave I, it happens but you don't see it as much you don't see it as wild i think you should watch a lot more as, lamarcus aldridge and there's a yeah and i think there's a, there's a, i think there's yeah. a difference okay sorry well, do, do you no, I think I, let's say no, I, can i ask a quick follow-up which is along sure. the same lines so sure. Uh, let's say if your number one goal is to eliminate all the stretching and, and leaning and, and diving and all that stuff that guys do on threes in order to get free throws. Yeah. Let's say they change it and your goal is to eliminate that. They change it to, it's a two, it's a two free throw foul. Now, even Mm -hmm. if you're shooting a three, Mm -hmm. are guys going to stop doing that? There's still if you're an 80 percent free throw shooter, you're going to the line for two shots. It's still one point six points per possession. You got to be the best free uh, three point shooter of all time in order to shoot a shoot a three at that rate. So isn't it still the right? I, mean, I think that the, the guys. 
Uh, I think the amount of times it's called is low enough that like it's kind of hard to because you have to like every time, hey, he leaned and didn't get the okay, even say say you get the call half the time on that. So the times you don't get the call, that shot's going in basically 10% of the time when you're going for the lean and not actually shooting the ball. So that, you know, that's, that's three tenths of a point per shot. And the other times it's, it's, you know, it's 1.6. That's, you know, you're better off just shooting the ball because that's, you know, that you're, you're averaging just under one points per shot. I mean, this, you know, doing back of the envelope math, obviously you're, you're significantly better off just shooting the shot. Now, obviously how often you get the call on kind of the lean changes the calculus a fair amount, but it's not close to every time. So yeah, there, like there would still be some incentive to go for that, but the fact that it doesn't get called every time and doesn't get called nearly every time uh, reduces the incentive. Where, but whereas, when it's, if it's a you know a a two point four, you know, as like if you're a good free throw shooter, if it's a two point four point call, then you know if it gets called fifty percent of the time, that's still better than most three point shooters. Like if there's a guy you know any close enough that you can plausibly lean into them. So, you, you know, it doesn't have to get called that much for it to be a good play. Whereas if it's only two shots, it has to get called, you know, two thirds of the time. And I, I think that, I think it's not going to take that many, uh, man, I looked silly, um, you know, wild attempts where you're, you know, it, it's not going to take too many times of, of say Chris Paul trying to draw a foul at the end of a playoff game and just turning the ball over. Uh, situations for people to not try to do that anymore. If you remember the incident I'm talking about, Fred. Oh, 2014 uh, OKC. Yeah, I yeah. You can remember it, Seth. That I'm angry for oh, you. Oh, sorry. For too, soon? <laughs> too soon. Too <laughs> soon. Always going to be too soon. All right. Let, Always okay. be too soon. Let, let's ask this: uh, How realistic is it that the league will, will even consider this? Uh, I don't th- it's not I don't think it's that I mean again the main reason it became a three shot foul was because of the end of the game thing. Right. So you preserve the three shot foul um and then you know it it uh it it, it then what's what's the issue? I mean then right. again it 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 probably disincentivizes not just like the flailing three but probably like a lot of kind of the quick semi contested threes we're seeing this year also because the fact that you might get fouled on that doesn't have to happen often but that still adds a little bit to what that is and you take that away right and that shot is worth just even a little bit less and then there are people who work for teams like me will say hey that shot's not as good anymore let's try for something better and eventually that percolates down got to get into the mid range got to get into the mid range Seth. no <laughs> do you are you are you running the 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 sometimes uh, hoops uh, oh Twitter my account god now? no my math is actually not awful so okay uh yeah okay so let's uh we're gonna do a a new thing uh i'm gonna do trending up trending down because we've like been talking about how at this point in the season you're you're kind of you're starting to see teams that started hot cool off and some of the teams that started cold starting to find their find their footing um and we only have fred for like 10 more minutes so i want to start with the league's third best offense the washington wizards they are literally three tenths of a point behind the houston rockets is the offense trending up or trending down and we're gonna start with fred are are we gonna discuss mo mo wagner's mvp case after this uh six man of the year for sure 
Can, has, anyone ever won, has anyone ever won most improved six man and MVP all in the same season? No, no, that would I'd be a first. It, I'd love it for I'd love it for it to be a bow. <laughs> um, I'm going to say the offense is trending down. I do not think they are going to end up third in offensive efficiency, but I think the offense is certainly better than I thought it was going to be. They have some pretty solid shooters. Wagner, in all seriousness, is is legitimately good. His court awareness is is awesome, and he's just feasting on on opposing bench units. Isaiah Thomas's jump shooting numbers have been really good. I wonder if that's going to keep up because he just doesn't get to the rim. He doesn't get to the line. What's weird about what they're doing is they're doing it with all of these. They're like 20 as of yesterday, they were 29th in free throw rate. They were 29th in the percentage of the threes that were coming from the corners. They're middle of the pack in, in three point rate. They're, they're not take you know, they're, they're bottom 10, bottom 12 and getting to the rim. I mean, they're, they're not doing this in wildly efficient ways. They're one of the best mid range shooting teams in the league. Rui Hachimura is shooting like 59% on pull-ups. I don't think that's continuing. There are a lot of things I look at and I think, okay, I don't think that's going to necessarily keep up, but I, I think they're pretty good offensively. Like yeah. I could see them. I could see them still staying in the top 10. Well, and they're sort of middle stops. of the pack in three point shooting too. So it's not like they've been especially hot from three or anything. Right. And, and I mean, you look at yes, Beal's usage is, is a career high right now, but it's, it's not like his, his, I mean, his percentages are not good. He, he's been very good. Right. He's a much improved facilitator. He's really good in the pick and roll. And he, they, you watch them and it looks real, you know, mm-hmm. based on, uh, based on the eye test, like some of it looks real. They, they are, they're a really good screening team. They're a very decisive screening team. When a screen doesn't work, they turn around, they set another screen. They're very committed to that. They're, they're a good dribble handoff team. Uh, they've got good movement. Beal is so good. Just getting the ball on the move and letting his momentum take him to the right spots. They're, they're, they're a good off. They're not the third best offense in the league, but I think they're a good offense. Uh, I'm, you know, I, I, they, they can probably score the ball pro- partially because I don't think they care about the other end of the court very much. Is that fair, Fred? Um, oh, I just, fair. I'm, I'm just, you know, M- Wagner shooting 83% of the rim. Uh, Isaiah is shooting 75% of the rim. Thomas Bryant, who finishes well at the rim, is shooting 75% at the rim. Beal shooting 69% at the rim. Like that's, it's not going to keep up. Like, yeah, as you said, Hachimura is shooting like on, on mid range shots. He's shooting, he's, he's shooting above 50% on mid range. Like this is not, you know, but Seth, let me Actually, ask I don't you know this. about Beal. Cause Beal is like, he did 70 let last year. Right? Beal, Beal was 70 at the rim last year. Thomas Bryant was 80 at the rim last year. Like some of those numbers, Thomas Bryant's numbers at the rim are down right now. Yeah. And, and Isaiah Thomas, I bet you, if you go back and you look at the film, the reason that it's 75 is because they're literally just, those are just open transition labs. Yeah. I can't remember a time that he got to the rim and actually went up on somebody in any fashion. Yeah. And Beal's three point shooting is down this year. Which could just be a usage thing. He's taking sure. more than the a lot off the dribble and, and just the difficulty thing yeah. in general. So that, that I'm I'm willing to believe that Beal's percentages stay around the same. I think Isaiah Thomas's jump shooting numbers are going to go down. They're really good right now, and that's what's propping up his offense. Maybe he's just going to have that good of a jump shooting season. But I don't know the numbers at the rim. Like Beal, Beal was 70, 69, 70 at the rim last year. He's around the same this year. Thomas Bryant's finishing at the rim is is down right now, and and I think his his shot distribution can get better. It's, it's been, 
he's taking a lot more jump shots, a lot more mid-range shots. Uh, and I think that's that's bogged down his efficiency from where it was at last year. I, I don't think he's like going to be the most efficient guy in the league again like he was last year when he, he led the league in, in two-point shooting. But he's he's very good around the rim. He's very good there. Uh, yeah, I think he, he's very, very good. But again, I he, like I especially for a guy who shoots there, you know, shoots half his shots there, essentially like I'm I I I, I it, basically anyone who's that much of an outlier without being like just an absolutely stupid athlete. Like I'm I'm I, I'm I'm on team regress to the mean a little bit. So I think that like, yes, there's from a, from a talent and structure standpoint, they should be a good offense. I think that there's just, there's more room below than above. So wait, see, I think it kind of stays where they're at. I mean, they're really just doing two points better than their offensive rating from last year. I think, you know, we're a lot of these guys, we're going to have some regression in some areas. Some of these guys aren't going to do put the numbers there up. They're up at some guys, like you said, you know, Brian's going to probably get back to his normal situation. Beal's kind of where he's at. They're playing a little bit faster than they were last season. So there's even more possessions. I kind of think this is where they're at now. Defensively, they're just got awful. They, that's what's going to be their problem. But I, I, I just think this is this is what they're going to be. They're just crazy high octane offense. And that's it, you know, and. You know, they're not going to defend anybody and they're going to lose games because of that. I think there will be some regression, but I don't think it'll be enough to the point where they'll be, you know, dropping from 112 offensive rating to like, what are we thinking? Like 106, 107, like what, you know, they were last year at 110. So it's not out of the realm of possibility to me that they're going to stay in this 112, 110 range. Right. Especially with Mo Wagner, you know, (laughs) you know, something always trust a Mo. Always trust the boat. You know, something I wonder, I wonder if it's almost the anti-Warriors effect. You know how every time the Warriors, like like the, the Curry-Durant Warriors were coming to town, you knew that whoever they were playing was going to give them their best game? Because it's just like they are, they, they are coming in with a target on their back, right? And I wonder if every team is going up against the Wizards and being like, whatever, we're just going to score 130. Let's let's not let's do the opposite. Right. Who, who cares? I don't really care about guarding Davis Bartons right now. Okay, he hit a corner three. Whatever. I I wonder if if that reverse Warriors effect is coming in because their defense is like notoriously porous. I mean, they're giving up almost 115 per 100 possessions right now, yeah. and it is it is getting down to the historical ranks with with the way that it's it's trending, and it's not getting better. So. I mean, they they just went to Orlando and and just got 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 cream city by, by Orlando. Yeah, it was <laughs> it was it was ridiculous. It just just destroyed by the Orlando's twenty ninth, right? Yeah, in offensive efficiency right now, that they they cannot score, and they just got wrecked. And it's 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 partly an effort thing and partly an Isaiah Thomas thing. Those two things like that Venn diagram is a circle, but like it's, it is amazing to watch their defense. And I feel like teams might just be thinking the same thing that we are when they look at that defense and then say, okay, whatever. And that helps the offense too. Yeah. Teams are, are certainly feasting on that defense. And uh, that makes me hungry. My parents don't pack my lunches anymore, guys, (laughs) but I still have to eat. I can have my favorite restaurants deliver food to me using DoorDash. 
DoorDash connects me to all my favorite restaurants in San Antonio or wherever I'm traveling. Ordering is very easy. I just open the DoorDash app, choose what I want to eat, and food is delivered right to my door. Uh, Door-to-door delivery in all 50 states and Canada. Order from your local go-tos or choose from whatever chain restaurants you like to you know, stuff in your gullet. It's very good. Right now, our listeners can get $5 off their first order of $15 or more when you download the DoorDash app and enter the promo code BACK. That's $5 off your first quarter, or first order when you download the DoorDash app from the App Store and enter the promo code BACK. All right, guys. The Phoenix Suns are crashing down to earth. Is this a trend? Yes. I think this is kind of what's happening. Part of it is Rubio hasn't played a couple of games, but I think this is something that we're expected to slowly happen. I mean, Baines has been shooting the piss out of the ball to start the season. I don't know if that's going to continue. I, I I just think it's slowly kind of coming down. And it's to what Fred said, you know, teams have noticed what Phoenix is doing. So they know they're not walking into a doormat and they have a chance at a win, right? We have to put minimal effort and we'll get a win. They know they got to play hard when they walk into Phoenix or when Phoenix walks onto their court, knowing that, hey, these guys are balling right now. So I think they have that effect coming along with them. So they're going to get tougher games from people. People are going to play them harder and not take them as lightly as they may have at the start of the season. So, you know, they're five and five in their last 10. I think we're going to slowly start to see them kind of start to drop a, a bit. They're still top 10 in net rating. So it's not, I don't think it's going to be, they're, they're not falling off a cliff. How much of it you think is Rubio not being there? I, that's that's exactly are, what I would point to. You, you look at, I mean, I don't think they were what they were to start the year, but I think they're pretty competitive when Rubio's out there. They look yeah. like a totally different team when they have him out there leading it. And the numbers back it up. I right. haven't checked it in a bit, but they're like significantly better when he's out there from, from basically any perspective. I mean, the other aspect of it is they've been home a lot. They've only had four road games, this, you know, to start the season. So, you know, when they start going on the road, it gets a little more difficult. It's harder. We know all the stuff that happens in the road. So I think we'll start to see a lot of that stuff. You, obviously, Rubio definitely helps. He makes a huge difference for that offense. And when he comes back, the offense will continue to flow and, and, and it'll be better. But I think they've been able to take advantage of the fact that they didn't have to leave Arizona that much you know they didn't have a long trip I think the furthest they've gone is Memphis you know and, and that's it I you know they they have a couple of road games coming up going to Minnesota and Denver on a back-to-back I think you know they've got an east coast swing a, a little bit Charlotte Orlando New Orleans and Houston that's that's a lot of games on the road here that they're not used to it's it's going to start to pile up on them but i don't think they'll drop and fall off the cliff they'll be in the playoff race and all that but i think we'll start to see them sort of dip down here we've seen teams have hot starts and then fall off i mean yeah especially like teams that are you know that have been bad for a while and then they have a hot start Yeah, and I, I mean, I think that that also part of well, a little bit what we're seeing. Yeah, they as they pick up an injury here or there. I mean, I think it's it's they kind of have three or four guys who kind of are 
are their mainstays, right? And that's and that's Rubio, Baines, Booker, and and give or take Kelly Oubre. And and when they have those guys on the court, everything's great. And if it's as you start to chip away at that, um, they they don't have as much. They're you know they've got some young guys they're trying to develop. Uh, Cam Johnson's minutes haven't been great so far, which is fine. I mean he's. he's He's, he's a rookie. Rookies are usually bad. Um, they're they're kind of trying to get uh, you know get, reincorporate Mikhail Bridges in, in some ways, and then obviously when when Aiton comes back. Um, but yeah, so it's they they you know they they can put competitive lineups out there, but it's maybe a little tougher for them when uh, they're not making every shot and their opponents aren't missing every shot as kind of, they started the season a little bit that way for them to be as competitive over 48 minutes, given that their roster is kind of still their roster, even though they've added kind of competence up at the top. On Uh, top of that, Booker's not going to shoot 50% from three all season. Like he's also shooting, he's also shooting fewer threes this year, which is, Maybe good, but it's, it's 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 interesting to note that his 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 three point rate has, and you know I think he's probably he's cut some of the worst threes out of his right. arsenal because of their kind of overall competence. But you know for them going forward, you would hope to try to see if you can get him some more kind of kind of good looks from from three, some some catch and shoot looks, and it's tough, you know. You're but the the better teams do find ways to get open shots for their, you know, their best offensive players from time to time. Also like Steph, you know, why would you ever leave Steph Curry open? Well, Steph Curry still managed to find, you know, even before they were like the super duper team, Steph Curry still managed to find some open threes uh, for the Warriors. And, right. and again, not to make the comparison, but you know, I, they should be able to, to run stuff that gets them to, it gets him, you know, two or three, like pretty open threes a game and, and maybe getting the, the that's probably something that would help them a little bit. The Houston Rockets have won eight in a row. They currently have the 15th ranked defense in the league in the number one offense. Is their defense actually, is it, is the trend up real? I got to chime in. You're the one that, that needs to give me the answer. The Rockets uh, podcast, the trending up is real, but I'm not sure how real because like so here's a couple of things i looked at in their uh stats coming up so they beat portland portland had the 13th ranked offense they haven't played a team from when they played them that had a top 10 offense at the time they played them so the closest golden state had an 11th ranked offensive rating when they played the rockets you know they played chicago 26th uh everybody's been in the middle range when they've played the Rockets. So like when they beat the Clippers, the Clippers had the 15th ranked offense, you know, that obviously they've shot up to the sixth ranked offense, but a lot of that had to do with the ass whooping they put on Atlanta over the weekend. You know, so I just kind of look at it is they haven't played really an elite offense yet for us to see how good this defense is. Now they're defending and they're doing a good job beating the people they're playing. That's put in front of them, but it'll be interesting to see. They got Denver tonight. uh, We're, they got Clippers again on Friday, and hopefully we'll have Paul George and Kawhi Leonard in that game, so we'll see a more improved Clipper offense. But their schedule begins to get a little bit tougher as they're going through it here now, and then we'll really know within a week or so, maybe two weeks, how good this defense actually is. But I think this is probably about where they're at. You know, I don't think they go higher than league average in, in defense. But league average with the best offense gets it done. 
Yeah, I mean, that, no, that for sure. Wins we, a lot of games in regular season. In, in this, which, which, go ahead. I, I'm not questioning whether they're real or not. This, it, it's exactly what you know. This, this works perfectly for the Rockets. Mm-hmm. How, you know, because it's what we've talked about in the past. You know, about like if your defense is this good, your offense can be this bad, and vice versa. Right. That's kind of what the situation it's in right now. But it'll be interesting when they play tougher offenses, how they handle that. Yeah, in in their eight game win streak. Uh, they have a 13.7 net rating and the second best defense in the league over that stretch, which is, you know, like a little over two weeks. Seth, what is it? If you're the number, if you're a top five offense, you can be what the 15th ranked defense. Is that about which uh, uh, 12th is kind of where you're to be like a top five overall team uh, ballpark. You want to be 12th, the 10th, the 12th, somewhere in there. Uh, I mean, obviously, if you're the number one offense, it's you have more room for error. But if you're in that kind of top five, you kind of want to be in the, you know, you you want to be at least a little bit above above average, and that generally gets you to kind of that that uh, that sort of uh, top five ish net rating kind of area where where you're talking about, you know, kind of like by net net rating project as a conference finalist type thing, and that's you know, at least from a stated goal standpoint, where they think they should be so that's kind of what we're going to judge them against um you know that's it's it's fine they're they're i, I think that over the course of the year they're they're going to be you know fine defensively i i i don't know if you have if when you have harden and westbrook defensively and you have one big man on your roster who you don't always want to play um like I you know, there's there's a pretty hard ceiling on on exactly how how good you can be defensively. Well, um, Capella's Capella's been great, really yes. in this run. Like he's missed two games, but he's been great in the six games he played in this win streak. He's been very solid defensively for this team. To my surprise, this was I wasn't I I, I don't know how long that lasts or if it's something that can he can sustain for the whole season, but he, this runner right now, like this is the Capella they need defensively because they're going to play big guys in the playoffs. They can't, their small ball lineup is terrible. Yeah. And Capella's rebounding has been insane. Just nuts. Yeah. And he, he's up to, he's up to 35 minutes a game in, in this, in this kind of, uh, it, it, over this, this last run. And before that he was playing. And so, like I think maybe that's just that, that that's they've made the adjustments. Like okay, stylistically we maybe don't love it with him out here, but we can't not have him out here uh, yeah. because again he's he's gone from from you know in his his first six games of the year he's playing about twenty five minutes a game now he's up to about thirty five minutes a game over the last six and you know that's correlation doesn't always prove causation but uh, it's I mean given you know again the the complete lack of another of another you know even at this point in his career, sorry, Tyson Chandler, it's you like a lack of another plausible big, like the, it's a, you know, not having him out there is just asking so much of, of kind of everyone else to sort of, you know, outscore the opponent, you know, every, every time, because you're, you know, you've got PJ Tucker playing the five and that's, you know, he's, he's tough and gritty, but that's like, come on. And and also by by the way, and also like beyond that, I'd say that like it's November. Why are you trying to play PJ Tucker big minutes at the five in November? Because that's a 
Dia Tony's going to play these guys heavy minutes. You see yeah. them in his hard as play. Yeah, I know. That's just that's that, that's what he's going to do. But like you know, it's it's let's duck a punch here. Let's not uh, right. You know you you know you you know I think Tucker at the five is is a is a you know, it's a lineup weapon for them to have. I just, you know, it's, it's, you, you can, you can, you can grind that down. You, you know, I, I, I feel like, you know, the evidence is, is probably equivocal, but you can, I, I, I think that it's reasonable to surmise that you can grind a guy down by playing, by asking him to play up two or three positions or play up two positions, like four big minutes for six months. Well, especially with how big the NBA has gone this season in particular there. I mean, there's a lot of bigs out there that are playing big minutes. It's not, yeah, this the, is not a couple of years ago where everybody was trying to find a small ball lineup. Right. And to the thing about their small ball lineup is, you know, they lost Chris Paul and replaced him with Russell Westbrook, who doesn't help you in that situation. You could go small with Chris helping defensively it, your lineup, your small ball lineup with Westbrook in it, is going to hurt because but he's going to rebound. Yeah. Well, I mean, he is going to rebound. That's, that's, that's the one thing. And he's going to gamble like hell on defense, you know, and he's going to hurt you that way. And, and, and that's what we've seen. And that's why Capella's plays really important for them pretty much this whole season defensively as to what he does, because they, their small ball lineup just hasn't been good. I mean, you, you talked about Grant and Tucker to a nub at this point. If, if you're playing him heavy minutes at the five, you know, it, it's also not helping you. You're not getting any as many stops as you used to because, you know, it's just it's not plausible. You have another guy that's a negative defender and was Westbrook on the floor, whereas last year you had you're able to put more your better defenders were guards and things like that. You're able to have more plus defenders when you went small. So I think that's kind of an issue for their small ball lineup. And as Dave just said too, everybody's playing a bit bigger, so you you almost don't need a small ball lineup now. Uh, you guys think Harden's going to actually score forty a game? I, he's going to come he, damn close. If he I think does he's going to do it. I think he's going to do it. It's going to be fun to watch. At least for me. Maybe is not it, some other people. Maybe not some it, other people. <laughs> <laughs> I don't. I don't know. I like. I don't. I don't. Fi- I don't find like you know. It's you can appreciate that he's incredibly good, but I like. I don't. I don't find them. You know. Maybe this is like the the you know the, the chalkest opinion I'll give but it's it's like I don't I don't find them particularly like compelling of, of a watch just because it's it's you know it, there's a little bit of a bad pickup vibe to their offense and that yeah but is, I you know, I appreciate the chess match in particular which, because which the, you like bad pickup games so uh, I, no, I, we know we, no, I don't. we know how much you like summer workout videos yeah so. yeah y'all know that's my thing um no I, I I think there's a little bit of the Harden versus you know the opposing defense chess match especially the blueprint for for beating Harden exists. Like the the blueprint is out there for for taking away big parts of his game, and for some reason, teams just don't follow it. Um, part well, of that being have, personnel, hard. right? Part yeah, of that being hard. personnel, but also you know they're not even trying it. So and also I think goes to show how little some teams care about the regular season. Well, it's but but it's hard to do in the regular season because. If you want to game play it just to stop Harden, you have to literally flip your whole defensive philosophy into what you were doing, you know, in practice. And to do that for one game off of just one practice versus doing it in like a playoff series, 
it's it's difficult. Like it's just hard to do in the regular season. You're playing Houston on a back to back. You're not even having shoot around. You're having a, a a team meeting in the hotel conference room right after you've had breakfast. You might walk through something on a tape down court that the video guy had to do almost to scale uh, and, and steal a ton of tape from, <laughs> from the memory. And you know, and yeah, you know, you're doing all this stuff, and it's like it's not it's hard to adjust so you know like my my hey, mo is that and, line straight i don't think that oh, line's dude, straight, was, mo. oh my god it never came close to straight and the trainers <laughs> used to just laugh at me and i used to just be like listen you you should be doing this with me uh i'm taking all of your tape you're not going to be able to tape ankles tonight you better go find a sporting goods store to to go uh stock up but you know it's it's just a hard thing to do in general, like just, and then, and then to go from that to the next game, like, okay, we're back to normal. Now the guys you're, you're messing with these guys heads too much. Something you can do in the playoffs because you have more time to, to prepare and things like that. It's a lot harder in the regular season. So I'm not surprised to see that. The one thing I am surprised though, is teams aren't sagging off rust the way I thought they would, or as egregiously as I thought they would in the regular season. Like they're still kind of trying to stay a little bit close to him. And at this point I'm like, what's the point? He's shooting terribly. Yeah. Yeah. You just got to let him, let him hoist them. Ever wonder how to get the hottest new shoes? The ones that barely hit the shelves, the ones you always miss the app alert for the answer is stock X, a revolutionary new marketplace for buying and selling 100% authentic sneakers, streetwear, watches, and handbags. Millions are already using StockX to find everything after it sells out, from the latest Yeezys to every retro Jordan to the hottest new streetwear from brands like Supreme, Bape, Palace, and Kith. Want in on all the hype? Check out StockX.com slash bball for a surprise offer that won't be around long. That's StockX.com slash bball. Check it out today. Uh, okay. The weird team. The Philadelphia 76ers. I actually, actually, Mo and I both picked them to go to the finals. And they are uh, currently 19th in offense. I, I, and I they think are all three of us picked them to go to the finals. Oh, did, oh, there you go. And they are 10th in defense. And I thought this defense had a chance to be historic. Um, but they're struggling a little bit. I, I thought immediately they would be good defensively. The offense, I, you know, we all, everyone had our concerns. But we thought a middle of the pack offense and, you know, the best defense in the league and you'd get somewhere, but they are not that. So, um, uh, Mo, they've got a 95 defensive rating with Joel Embiid on the floor. That's, so you so know, this is that's, the concern, right? You know, but he, he, okay. He's, he's missed some games and they haven't been good defensively in the games that he's missed. And okay. Like who, if, if he misses games in the playoffs, you lose, like we know this. So like, you know they're they're still like they're 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 fine like they're the they're, they're, it's not they're not going to be disastrous like they were defensively with him off the floor last year and that's the and that's the 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 the, the big difference but they're not going to win if he doesn't play and so they've been really good defensively when he's played so as far as the concept of what this team should be okay they're they're thing regular season things are happening in the regular season and i don't know if there's a ton to get up in arms about that's my that's my you know th- that that's my spiel on the on the sixers do they have a trade to yeah. make mo no i don't i mean listen they're a weird team like we've talked about it their offense is always going to look bad it's always going to be clunky i think they're 
defense will get better. I think part of it too was maybe we didn't give enough respect to how long it takes to develop defensive chemistry, you know, cause I thought the same thing. I thought right away, they're going to come in and be the best defensive team. And, you know, maybe it takes them a little longer. It's harder with, you know, it being in and out of the lineup for them to kind of figure everything out. And they're incorporating new pieces and guys with new roles and have to figure, figure that whole thing out. It takes a little longer than, than maybe we thought. So I don't think they need a trade. I'm not on that, that bus yet. I think, you know, just give it time. I think we're going to see a run at some point, you know, maybe in January or something. We're going to be like, don't, you know, they've been beasts defensively in the past 10 games where we're going to look at them going like, this is the team we thought they'd be. It's just taking a little longer than we thought. And that's maybe more of a problem on our end than on the Sixers end. I think we, our expectations might have been too high for how quickly this would come together. I think it's still a clunky fit on offense. That's going to be that case all year. But I think defensively, they'll get there. They got too many good defenders. And as Seth said, like when a beads on the court, they're still a damn good defensive team. It's just a matter of how good, you know, how, how often do they have him on the court? It's almost, this almost makes the case for him as defensive player of the year or MVP or wherever you want to put him, just because you see what happens when he's off the court His absence versus is what felt. he's on. Yeah. Um, can they tread water when he's not out there? This is the big question. I think that's what I they think need they to can- do. They can tread water in a game with him not out there. Like it's, it's kind of if if he, you know, just look like the minutes where they're getting kind of, kind of, kind of crushed a little bit is is you know, unfortunately because he's a player I've liked is is when Kyle Quinn is out there and when Embiid is just is resting. Kyle Quinn is not there. Al Horford is resting. When Embiid isn't playing, there's ten minutes a game where Kyle Quinn is is like your defensive anchor, and they're just I mean they're getting you know they're 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 kind of getting waxed in those minutes and giving up all the points and 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 so that's the kind of thing that like you know again that's that's the kind of that's the kind of thing that gets trimmed out if assuming you know, reasonable health in the playoffs. And if we're looking forward to them, like you can say, all right, lop those minutes off. What do they look like now? And you take those minutes off and they look pretty good. So again, that's, that, 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 that's, that's, you know, in, let's put, let's put it another way in the minutes that Kylo Quinn has not played this year, they have a 99 defensive rating. So that, you know, that so there's a solution. Huh? That's a solution. <laughs> Well, no, it's it's no, but but Kyle Quinn has played more than they than they. I'm sure they they were they not expecting him right. to play right. ten minutes a game, um, because you know again because but you know Embiid is going to miss time and and those games they're not going to be as good because they're going to have those ten minutes a game where they don't have you know they don't have an all you know they start games with two all defense level centers and 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 they can have one on the on the floor at all times you know when when their guys are healthy but when Embiid is usually going to be Embiid misses a game then all of a sudden you don't have that for all the time and that's sort of foundational for them so that you know again I don't you know belaboring the point a little bit I'm not like directly worried about about them from a defensive standpoint from a depth and offensive standpoint like yeah they could use they you know they, they there's a lot of he's he's been he's been you know he's been frisky for them but there's been probably more fork on Moss than they anticipated coming into the season mo what are you paying attention to this week i mean i'm i'm just excited for this Kawhi paul george 
we're going to get to see it tonight, apparently against the Boston Celtics. I want to see what the offense looks like. I want to see, I think it's going to take a little longer to figure that out. I'm just excited to watch these guys kind of develop that chemistry and see what, how doc uses the two of them on the court at the same time in his offensive package. And then just excited to watch the, you know, wreak havoc defensively. Yeah. Doc, man, I, again, I, I really think he's good at maximizing his, his players. Um, and it gets overlooked really easily because he doesn't do flashy stuff. Uh, but these two guys should just walk on the court together and be completely complimentary of each other. Cause they can I don't both shake spot ups. But I don't think that's the case. Cause I think we don't talk about Kawhi as a ball dominant one-on-one guy as much as he is. He's oh a, yeah. He he's is. A, he's a lot more of that. And you know, like the, the games we saw where Paul George had these, crazy scoring numbers his first two games back albeit against terrible defenses you know he had the ball in his hand a lot you know and he was creating a lot and and, and really kind of dribbling a ton so it's going to take a, a, a while for these guys to figure it out I don't think it's as simple as walk right in you know like listen George is going to play the role as a, a the second option and he's going to play the the part of I'll, I'll, I'll stand on the side while Kawhi creates and kick out to me and things like that. But there's going to be times where he's going to want the rock and he's going to want to initiate the offense and stuff. And I'm not sure how good Kawhi is in that. He's a good catch and shoot guy, but it's not like not really a big part of his game. And you're not getting the best out of these guys. If you just use them strictly in those roles. So it'll be interesting to see how doc kind of plays with that. And this being the first game, I think it'll be a little bit shaky and it'll take a few games for them to really kind of figure it all out because they haven't even practiced that much together. So are you saying that it's going to be a Boston win followed by a, 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 a overreaction and, and a, and a, and a banner ceremony in, in, in uh, Massachusetts? Oh, no, 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 no. <laughs> the banner ceremony is going to be in Staples when, with the Lakers fans. No, no, but you know, the yeah, funny thing well. is this is, this is an overreaction game, no matter what. Right. It's true. It's if, a fair point. If, if, if the Clippers beat Boston, everybody's going to be like, see, Boston's not real. They can't beat this team. And everybody will forget that Boston didn't have uh, Gordon Hayward. And then the other way around, if Boston beats these guys, they're going to be like, see, we didn't even have Gordon Hayward and we beat the team you're expecting to come back, you know, to, to be the, the champion, you know, and, and this being the first game that these guys have that pairing. So either way, it's an overreaction game one way or the other. Uh, my favorite. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Seth. Uh, what do you, what are you paying attention to this week? Um, I'm actually I'm uh, I'm I'm gonna see the the mellow show tomorrow. It's um, mm-hmm. uh, it's a little bit of of uh, Portland's in, in Portland is in uh, Milwaukee, and I don't think Lillard is gonna play. So we're gonna see more of Portland using mellow in exactly the wrong wrong way for this to possibly work so i'm it's i I don't know if it's something i'm i'm it's it's sort of morbid curiosity rather than something i think is ultimately like important for the outcome of the season so that's um and we didn't really i am kind of interested to see the celtics uh uh tonight um, that's the, they're, if we're talking about the trending up, trending down teams there, we didn't really, we didn't really touch on them and, and they're really good. They are um, extremely and, good. Yeah. And like, they're still, I still kind of feel like they need like a, either a defensive big or to just like never play Cantor again. Well, they can't, they can't um, play Cantor. 
right? Like yeah, that's the number that's, one thing. Like when yeah. they were rolling, they, you know, without Cantor, that was what I said. I was like, you know what? When I, when I thought they were going to be, you know, low forties, I really thought they were going to be playing Cantor a ton. Um, yeah. Just because who knew what Robert Williams was going to look like and, and, you know, was Tice ready for a bigger role? I, man, I, I wouldn't, I don't see how Cantor stays in the rotation. I like, you know, I'd kind of like to see some more Grant Williams as like the 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 uh, Chuck Hayes 2.0 center. Um, I think that like the, the, certainly against some teams, those are pretty interesting. Yeah, those lineups are pretty interesting. Like, yeah, this. I mean, that this might it, it might be. Uh, they could do Grant it, that, Williams that, at the five against the Clippers quite a bit yeah. when Zubac isn't out there. I mean, he can he can yeah. definitely hang. With I don't. Whoever I mean, I think they play. could. Pro- I think they could probably do it with Zubac on the floor. Like, what, what is Zubac going to overpower him? I don't think so. Like, and if so, if it ends up, if, if like that induces the Clippers to throw the ball into Zubash to shoot like seven foot jump hooks, like, yeah. Oh, so now you're saying that won't happen. That won't play that five, won't, the Clippers aren't going to do that. Don't, five don't, don't worry chess. about it. <laughs> They're not, it, I could be guarding Zoo. They're not going to put Zoo in the post. You, like, it's not, it's yeah. not going to happen. You don't have to worry about that part. If um, it happens, it was, yeah, by, so. it was by complete accident. Yeah. I mean, I so, guess if I you, mean, if you can get them to have, to, to put, Zubac on Grant defensively with his ability to space the floor, he could pull him away from the basket. You might actually get some cleaner looks at the rim. I mean, for an offense that doesn't generate a ton of looks at the basket. Hmm. 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 So, but but in, in any event, this, this <laughs> might be, I think we're, we're all kind of uh, circling around that like they, they can maybe use a, a kind of the, the, the classic take the club out of the bag and trade. Um, uh, if, yeah. if, you know, that's even Adams would be, be fantastic there, but they'd have well, to I don't know, them away. like, I'm not even talking about like who they add for it. Just sometimes you need to like, like, you know, a team gets better because you fall into, uh, uh, you know, this, this, you know, the, the, one of the classic examples is, you know, when the Raptors traded Rudy Gay, like right. they, they were just unable to think about how to run their offense without running it through Rudy Gay. And they trade Rudy Gay cause they think they're going to tank. And then all is like, Oh man, Kyle Lowry is really good. Um, we're too good to tank now, um, and that you know that kind of just like accidentally changed, like not to be over dramatic, but it accidentally changed the entire trajectory of that franchise. Right. Um, and well, like, how about I'm not- how about Draymond Green? Uh, David Lee being injured, Draymond Green plugged into a spot in the lineup, and then you have a dynasty. Right. I mean, but D- David Lee was not unplayable. I mean, no, David Lee turned- no, not at all. But it and, was and David Lee actually had still had some really like he he was pretty important if I remember correctly. No, like he, he, he was good for them. Playing short roles yeah. was important for them in the playoffs at times. So but so that's not exactly the same thing. It's more just like, you know, for some reason, like they, you know, you did. And it most often seems like it happens with veteran guys. Right. Mo, you can probably speak to this like, OK, well, we got to we got to find minutes for this guy because and then it's well, but the, this but those are worse minutes than we get from basically any other plausible choice. But you're just like, so like the, the pecking order is so set that you feel compelled to give that guy the minutes. And so finding a way to like, not make that an option is, is possibly helpful. We lost a playoff series and it kills me because this is one of my favorite dudes, but Vinny Del Negro kept playing Chauncey Billups, who was coming off the Achilles and everything kept starting him and playing him a ton of minutes while we had Willie Green, who was red hot from three to end the season. Like we lost a series against Memphis really because of that. Like 
you you tend to kind of find that stuff happens and it drives everybody nuts. You're like, why are we playing this guy? Or why is this one starting or, or whatnot? And, and you can never find the reason, or it's like, we can't have a guy we've paid, we're paying 13 million to sitting on the bench, you know, or you have like weird reasons sometimes why some of these dudes play and you're just sitting there going like, this is freaking terrible. Um, and you know, we, again, we lost a series just off that. So, um, it happens more often than people realize that sometimes it's, it's sometimes these guys get playing time just for the dumbest reasons. I mean, doc stuck with Avery Bradley a ton last year, despite him being literally just negative on defense and a negative on offense, but he just couldn't get it out of his head that Avery could really help us. Now, granted Bradley's having a good year this year. He wasn't helping the Clippers last year, but doc just couldn't see it and nobody could convince him. Otherwise it happens more often than people realize. And I think it, and I think it, it, it's why it happens with vets most often is because like kind of the, 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 the experience and rep you have or uh, the experience you have with the guy and the rep you have with him is kind of, is stickier than kind of what's right in front of you at times. So it's like, yeah, three years ago, this guy was great, but that's, you know, it's not 20, it's, it's 2019, not 2016. And, but it's, it, it take kind of takes your kind of your overall, I mean, because yeah, we're talking about 450 players in the league. You're not, you don't have the accurate, you know, sliders set on all of them at all times. So like remembering what it used to be is, is it's understandable, but at the same time, you know, you can sort of, if you take a step back, you can kind of see, wait, this is not the same guy it used to be, but because you have so many things you're thinking about that you're just still kind of rolling based on, on what you knew to be true three years ago. Um, is, is, is a trap that I think that, that people fall into. I, I agree or disagree, Mo. No, completely agree. You, you, you've, you, you build a narrative in your head of this is the guy, this is who he is. And if you had success with him, especially as a coach, like, you know, going back to the doc Bradley comparison, you know, like that's doc's image of him is how he defended, you know, what he was coaching him. So, you know, that's, that's ingrained in Doc's head. So Doc just kind of keeps seeing that. So I think that's something that's very true and very, very common. Okay, my turn. <laughs> do we have uh, to give you a turn? I mean, you don't have to, but, you know, it's my show. I'll just do it. I'll just hang up on you guys and do it without you. Can, can no. we start saying it's – can we start saying it's our show? Yeah, do you guys I, do no, – it's. I don't feel like it's my show anymore. I, oh. I feel like he's – <laughs> I come and go Relax. on. I come and go on day on Dave's whims. No, we gotta like, give. Oh, hey, boy. you gotta give Coach Thorpe room to breathe. And I think four people yeah. was a lot, but uh, it was a great show. And if you didn't listen, go back and listen again. So I am watching I, the Lakers. I, I hate listened. All right, I'm watching the Lakers, and it was a great show, right? Yeah, it was yeah. awesome. Uh, I'm watching the Lakers currently twelve and two. Uh, their next six games are against the Thunder, Grizzlies, Spurs, Pelicans, Wizards, Mavericks. They could they could be eighteen and two, and Laker fans will be unbearable. It uh, could be, um, <laughs> but but they could cloud, be the cloud of. Uh, by the time we you know we get back from from the Thanksgiving holiday, they might be eighteen and two, and we have to start thinking about this team differently. If that's the case, I mean I I mean we kind of already do have to right. think of them. They're not because they're not thinking? perfect. Like we were like we we were like. Yeah, they're not perfect, but there's a lot that we were like, I don't know. They don't. They don't. It's all they're, working. They're all. They're all I mean, <laughs> yeah. their their backcourt play is still not great, but man, they're getting so much from 
from like JaVale and from, and from Dwight Howard. Dwight. And, yeah. yeah. And, you know, and LeBron is physically like great. And, and, you know, so I think we already kind of, kind of have to, you know, say that, that, you know, again, they haven't answered every question, but kind of the like the the worst thing that that could happen, where it's like, oh, this is it's LeBron and AD and some guys. Um, that's kind of out the window already a little bit, right? Yeah. And you know the the thing is they're defending at a rate which I didn't expect them to. You know, um, it, Frank LeBron is coach defense. It appears. I mean, you know, like that. I had written a piece even, saying that even more in, than that, in he's August. inspired veterans to to play defense. And maybe that's LeBron. Well, I don't know. I don't know if he's inspired veterans. It's LeBron's effort. That's right. Like if LeBron's doing this, everybody's got to do it. And you know, there's a video floating around somewhere on the Twitter sphere of LeBron even saying last night, like, look, I know you're thinking I haven't played defense in years. Like he's talking to the ref and, and, and kind of acknowledging that like, you know, I've taken a couple of years off defensively. You know, he's been great. And, you know, if you really want to see how great he's been, shameless plug, go to my uh, most recent article because I've written about how good he's been in his effort. And on top of that, if you really want to go further back, I wrote in August about how good of a defensive coach Vogel is and how he could get the Lakers to be in this top defensive team. I just wasn't sure it would happen this quickly. I'm definitely plugging myself as much as I can right now, but uh, and doing a victory lap while I do it. But these are like, this is what the Lakers are doing. So like when you say we have to think about the Lakers differently, I'm like, dude, like they're going to go 18 and two on a cupcake schedule. And, you know, we're, we're going to find out really who they are after that. You yeah, know, but and because right after that they roll into uh, Denver, Utah, Portland, who you know now we're seeing what they are, uh, Minnesota, Orlando, my I mean this team like it's it's not crazy to think that they could wind up being like twenty six and four at the thirty game mark. Just the way the schedules yeah. worked out, and you know the scary thing is I don't know how Seth feels about it, but I almost feel like that creates a snowball effect too. You know, like, absolutely. You've, even looking at the Rockets to run, you know, they, they had this eight game winning streak and they haven't played a ton of really good teams in that stretch, but that could get them the confidence and everything, just get them going and get them feeling good about themselves to, to take to get a bunch more wins that we probably wouldn't even have expected. So I think that's something we might see with this team. Uh, 26 and four would be pretty impressive. I'm curious to see at one point if LeBron begins to start, put his foot off the gas pedal a bit. And if we begin to see some slippage, which is going to happen regardless, but I'm curious to see what that begins to pop up because their schedule will get tougher towards, you know, the middle of the season. Yeah. I think, I mean, the smart move is to bank these wins during the easy stretch and, and try to steal rest down the stretch. I mean, you want LeBron to stay at this level if you possibly can keep him there. And, And that'll be, you know, watching the, the number of minutes and all this other stuff. I mean, like, Damian Lillard was leading the league in minutes until he missed this game, and he had been struggling for five games before that that game in New Orleans. So, but clearly, Dave, 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 yeah. Latrell Sprewell averaged forty-two minutes a game. Yeah, or forty minutes a game. How many? I, I want, these guys can. I really yeah, want anyway, second sorry. spectrum no. to like. I, I wish there was some way for them to retroactively run the numbers and show like the average distance traveled back then. I mean, it's not, it's okay. It's not even distance traveled, but more like it's, effort it's, it's, it's exerted. The, it's the, 
it's the it's the accelerations it's the starts and stops it's the jumps it's there's there's so much more cutting and movement mm-hmm. on both sides of the ball than there was so these 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 minutes are harder minutes on the body plus these guys are better athletes so and because they're better athletes they are putting more strain on like these 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 joints these tendons these ligaments this is anyway yeah Wait, <sighs> listen I, everybody that listens to this show and all of us on this show we already know we know to trust medical science on this uh that's it for this week this episode of nerd she wrote uh I'd like to thank fred katz for popping in for a little bit and uh you know for mo and seth i am dave uh thanks for listening and uh, we'll be back next week with a little pre-thanksgiving episode 